before we continue to submerge into the depths of our unsearchable inheritance in Jesus Christ. The unchanging epigraph of our study of these depths is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so when it's talking about Jesus Christ, it's not just talking about him as head, but it's talking about the entire Christ, the body included. Everywhere where Christ is presented, together with him is the church as his body. And out of this body, nothing can happen naturally. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit, who reveals the truth in the heart, what we need to do from our side, so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life, so that we can put on or clothe our bodies into the new way of life. That is, clothe our body into incorruption and erect within our body the stronghold of incorruption. This is the calling of every person who comes to God. And if a person does not understand this calling, then the name that God has written into the book of life will be blotted out forever. We need to, again and again, clearly understand the goal of our existence on earth when we come to God we have a goal we have a goal placed by God this goal is that within our body the stronghold of life be erected and our bodies be clothed into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person and for this to happen for this to happen we need to first as it is written in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, written also in Colossians and other places of Scripture, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, and be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on, put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And so to fulfill this giving, commanding order, our calling, there are three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. Put off our former way of life, renew our mind by the spirit of our mind, and clothe our body into the new form of life. Fulfilling these three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, will our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, this seed of salvation identifies the guarantee of our justification in the given to us salvation, which is the, which in the three above presented acts needs to be invested or turned so that we can profit in the death of the Lord Jesus, so that our salvation becomes something we own in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose our justification in the given to us format of guarantee. 
which is why then our names, which were written into the book of life as a format of the given to us guarantee, when we made a covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of peace with God, in the baptisms of water, Holy Spirit, and fire will forever be blotted out of the book of life. We talk about this continuously, and we confirm this, remind ourselves of it, and everyone who listens, salvation that we receive is given in the format of a seed or a guarantee, and it's not something you own, like a house that you desire to have. Uh, Although salvation is a gift from God, it is given in the form of a seed, and so our role is to grow the seed into in the soil of our heart into the tree of life that bears fruit 12 times a year that is the fruit of righteousness salvation to receive it as something we own this is very important to understand that we need to we are the ones who need to grow it we need to pay an appropriate price and we know what price we need to pay to fulfill the calling and to be a light for the world. We become a light to the world only when we get to know what our calling is and we begin to fulfill it, fulfilling those conditions, those requirements that are needed to fulfill our calling so that we can come to that goal. And this is first to put off our former way of life people don't want to believe that they have the old man inside of them although they agree that they have a new person I ask the question okay if you have a new person then how are you uh, arguing how are you jealous is this coming from the new person no it's coming from a different person who was already there before the new person uh, was born this is the old person that we inherited from the genetic line from the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden he began to pass on the seed in his genetic code there was the old man he he was in him and this old man is a programmable system of the ancient serpent the fallen cherubim And so if we don't understand this calling again, then this will be very unfortunate. Millions of people, millions, I repeat, millions of people, all their life going to church as if fulfilling all of the requirements that were given to them, don't drink, don't smoke, don't commit fornicating works. For some reason, it's these three things that they look at. And of course, don't cuss. Although today, all of this has already been accepted in the church. People cuss, people drink, people betray their wives and husbands, and no one is disqualified, no one is, it's not paid attention to. They they say you need to be understanding of, of, the, of what they do, be tolerant. But God is not tolerant. He has wrath against these people. He hates them who came to him and then legalized sin that he hates. They pervert this, his truth and so forth. And so people who don't understand this calling because to fulfill it, you need a total form of sanctification that follows a total form of dedication.
And as the process of investment and return is linked with temporary suffering, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus are called to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our life in the flesh, we need to remember that current temporary sufferings is nothing in comparison to the glory which will be revealed within our body when the stronghold of life will be erected inside at the time that God will decide. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest, when a person understands the glory that will be revealed in him, whatever may happen in this life, it will seem as nothing to him. A person says, I can't bear these things, and the reason he can't bear them is because he doesn't know the reward. Why people, many people can, uh, they fall and can't serve in holiness and truth <clears throat> is because they're not aware of the reward. In their body, the glory of God needs to uh, reveal itself in the stronghold of incorruption. And it's not when they die after their death. No, it's here on earth. As Job said, my eyes, not the eyes of another, will see when my body that's decaying will suddenly become fresh, young, and not a regular or typical youth uh, that we're used to, but an eternal youth where our body, in the way it is with the mortal mortality it has, will become heavenly. For the earnest expectation of their creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God, for the creation was subjected to futility. Creation is talking about angels that are waiting eagerly. The angels of God were subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The angels of God that serve us, they serve corruption and they trust, they know that we will be free from this <clears throat> slavery of corruption. How do they know this? Not because we what, of what is preached, but what's in our heart. If our heart is not does not possess this uh, truth, they see this glory in us when we by faith accept God's promises about the erection in our body, the stronghold of life here on earth, before we will be raptured and meet the Lord in the air. This is what they see. The scriptures say that for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now, but not angels only, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope, and so sees meaning if it's physically being able to be seen, then there's no reason to hope. It's there's a need to hope when you don't see it, but it's upon your account. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Romans 8, 18 through 25. And so waiting for the blessed hope that at one moment uh, our bodies will be transformed in the blink of an eye, they will be transformed uh, into heavenly bodies. Pursuing the goal of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ that, in essence, it is our calling, we, in a specific format, have already looked at the process contained in the, in the first two acts and stopped to study the process of the third act. 
and specifically what conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process because everything God will do with us, He will do by our renewed mind. Because everything that we do, it first comes through our mind and then through, uh, spoken with our mouth. And so, by the means of our already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves. When we have renewed our mind, we will begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth never look at yourself out of Christ when you look at yourself out of Christ you will always feel uh, belittled and not wholesome you will look at yourself your feelings your thoughts your actions your falls and your and your sins and you and you become afraid is it possible to be saved but when you look at yourself in Jesus Christ then you won't see these things because the Father is looking at us through Christ when we're in Jesus Christ and he does not see what we're seeing in ourselves and for us to stop seeing these things in ourselves and become blind to that we need to see ourselves in Jesus Christ and to be in Jesus Christ or being placed into Jesus Christ means as we know find the narrow gate strive to find the narrow gate it is written in scripture and strive means pretty much put forth all your effort your energy uh, your ability to uh, find discover this narrow gate and this narrow gate as we just sang is the church of Jesus Christ this is the good wife and when we find grace in her it's one thing to sing that the church is the door that leads to the throne of the Father. But how you treat this church, if you come here into the church as an inspector to inspect and to catch people on their words, the, the pastor, sometimes people will catch a word, maybe I pronounce something uh, accurately or, or, or I maybe... Uh, said, said Moses but said Samuel or uh, spoke the uh, misspoke uh, a, a word or a name I remember at the church at one of the churches I was preaching and a woman then approached me after the service she uh, she was a, a someone who presented she was a teacher uh, in a in an institute she said you have a you have a good speech but you had three mistakes that you made you you in this word you didn't uh, put the right accent on the word and I told her thank you uh, and I said tell me something when I uh, didn't put the right accent uh, in these words did you understand the meaning of what, what I was saying she said yes and I told her that is what's important uh, there are people unfortunately sometimes that uh, may preach uh, that are n not natural in, in the language in which they're speaking can speak uh, with great difficulty or uh, ha have a lot of mistakes or problems in what they say uh, even Apostle Paul they called him ignorant he said I might be ignorant in the word 
it's not possible to completely un, uh, learn an, a language in its in its fullness. We use maybe a couple of thousands uh, of thousand words, maybe a little bit more, but there are could be 300,000 words within a language, and every word has its own meaning. Going forward, and so to be in Jesus Christ is to find a church with a theocratical structure, the good wife. She has the the virtue of a narrow gate. The structure will be theocratical. There won't be someone chosen, a leader chosen, uh, by the matter of a vote. Second, the person that stands head of the church sh- needs to, will be an apostle. They, what is an apostle is one who is sent by God, is someone who will be empowered as a father. He will have the seed. He will sow. Seed is given not even to all that are messengers, not even all apostles. Uh, not all apostles can even be fathers. Apostle Paul, for example, he had... Uh, other apostles uh, that were w- that were with Apostle Paul, but they were not fathers. If you remember that Apostle Paul said, "I had uh, I had sown the seed, and Apollos watered the, the seed," and so all of the apostles understood that revelation. They were in the same spirit, took from him and preached, and they watered that word, but and God grew it. And so relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that He alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High. I shall remind us of why we state this name, God Most High, because we are studying a warrior in prayer and his prayer how he needs to pray. <clears throat> We're studying the breastplate of the high priest and these 12 precious stones. Each one of these stones possessed a name of God, and we continue to study the name of God, El Elyon, or as God Most High, the, the definition of that. And David turned to God in, the, in, these, in this 18th Psalm. He called God God Most High, El Elyon. During there's a uh, during the time we have a tight situation, we're experiencing this tight situation when we are putting off the old man with his deeds. We can call upon the Most High as to our God and proclaim the faith of our heart. We need to have that in our heart, who He is to us. That He is our Heavenly Father. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us from hell fire. He has justified us, and He has not accounted sin to us, and has covered us in Christ. Who we are to God in Jesus Christ, we are His children. And what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ? Be obedient. Obey your faith to God's faith. God's faith is the commander. He's the general. This is the word of God that we hear. Faith is from hearing the Word of God. This is the preached Word. This is not the written Word, but the living preached Word. Faith is from hearing. You can't hear in the book the words. You can hear it from the mouth of a person, a living person, and living words. That's where faith 
<clears throat> comes from because this is the seed. Here are God's thoughts that are concealed and no one can understand them just reading them. Why? There Are there jungles of denominations because each one uh, decides how they want to interpret the, the Bible. In the first church, God gave uh, his revelations to the 12 apostles and 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 Peter was head and they all had one they didn't each have their own opinion as to how it was uh, to be understood but today for some reason <clears throat> they don't follow this and the reason is arrogance people <clears throat> have been elected or placed themselves and so the given allegory that we are talking about is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David with the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and with governing sin as our old person with his deeds. And so in our body, there are three kings that live that battle one with the other. And each one wants to possess our body. Each one has a goal to possess the body, control the body, and the battle, it happens upon the field of our heart. Each of these three kings are anointed by God because when it's talking about uh, anointing, it's uh, in a positive, uh, understood in a positive way. But what, how can we think about those that uh, were anointed but became evil? And the prophets had, had said, uh, or would tell the people about uh, what would happen if this person is anointed. If you remember, he, there were places in the Bible where the uh, prophets talked about how terrible uh, the terrible things that uh, that uh, this person, there was an individual that was anointed and he behaved very, very uh, violently with the people of Israel and killed many. And so the law of God that is within our new person when we're born from God, there's God's law. It's God's holy law. What does it do? It reveals sin within our body, governing sin, our old man, our old person, and gives power to this sin. He, it anoints him. The law reveals sin and gives power to sin. And then this governing sin trusts upon the law. The law is his hope, his trust, his sword. And with the sword, he begins to battle with the new person to take control of the body. This is why we need to die by the law, for the law, in the body of Christ, so that the old man can no longer trust in the law. The law will not have be able to give him any more power because we are no longer under the law, but under grace. And under grace, we, we become under grace when we leave our house, uh, the house of our father, our nation, and our corrupt desires, and clean our conscience. This is when we are under, fall under grace. <clears throat> and so we were submerged in the, into the death of Christ. We died with him and resurrect with him. And here in the resurrection, we receive the fruit of righteousness as our own. And grace then is enthroned in our heart because we have righteousness. 
by the righteousness of our heart. While we don't yet have the fruit of righteousness, we don't have grace. We have the law that gives power to governing sin that lives within our body. And Apostle Paul says, unfortunate man I am who will deliver me from this mortal body it is by the means of collaborating our faith with the faith of God consisting of who God is to us in Jesus Christ what God has done for us in Jesus Christ who we are to God in Jesus Christ and what we need to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ God can receive the proper basis that he needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies so he can shame the governing within our body sin, which is the old person with his deeds by the crushing power of his redemption and with noise forever thrust him out into hell. Sometimes people ask me the question, how is it with noise? And so, uh, I say, take, uh, take uh, for example, uh, something in the form of a whip and then lash it in the air. You'll hear that noise. It'll happen very suddenly. And it'll be so sudden that it will happen within an instant that it, a great noise will take place because the Holy Spirit with such speed... Uh, came down, if you remember, the Holy Spirit came down with a great noise because he, he wanted to become Lord and Master in the heart, but a person needs to be prepared for that. Uh, he can't go into the heart of an infant that is uh, attracted by various winds of doctrine. He doesn't know where the Holy Spirit is and where the false spirit is. In its character, the Per Psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer that belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. First part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. Second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself. The first part, it opens up the goals. It gives us the ability to build ourselves into an altar. And the second part is the means, uh, the all offering upon the altar are our words. A prayer is an offering, but the offering needs to be brought upon something, upon an altar. And we are that altar in our goals that are here, our calling. If we don't have a calling, which consists of casting off the old man with his deeds, renewing our mind with the spirit of our mind and then begin the process of clothing our body into the new person then this speaks about the fact that we don't have an altar and what kind of prayer can we bring what offering can we bring if we don't have an altar then you can't be a priest or a king you can't then control your mouth or your emotions and your prayer will not be as a prayer of a priest, but as a prayer of a servant like Hagar in the wilderness. And God responds actually not to the prayer of Hagar, He responds to the prayer of Abraham, who was a symbol of our new person, who prays for our soul, that our soul be saved. He is an intercessor. And having received salvation, we receive salvation in the new person. But now the scriptures say, save your soul. 
This means that when you receive salvation, your soul did not receive salvation. Your body did not receive salvation. And so, if the body would have received salvation, it would have immediately become glorious as the body of Jesus Christ. But we are aging, we become sick, and we die. Our soul is mortal, our body is corrupt, but our spirit is immortal. And now the goal of our spirit is to save the soul and save the body. This is the calling. And so when you have this calling, this is the altar. And now the means for this altar, the offering needs to be brought correctly and be selected properly. And only a priest would understand which one, how to choose it. And so the second part opens up the consistency consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the image of David from the hands of all of our enemies. And the third part illustrates the prayer battle itself. It contains an epic genre which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. The virtue of a king consists of our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind which gives us power to the right to rule over the emotional aspect of our body and lead them under the bridle as a horse of battle. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to run to God as a warrior in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Because in the temple, a priest can only enter into the temple Uh, A regular Israelite could not enter the temple, but only a priest. And if Apostle Peter says that we are kings and priests to God, this is in the situation that righteousness, grace uh, through righteousness is governing in the heart, then we are kings and priests. The virtue of a prophet, which is the testimony of Christ, gives our new person the right to enter the devir, which is the Holy of Holies, so that we can hear the voice of God above the lid of the golden ark within our heart and provides God with the foundation that he needs to hear our intercessions and respond to them. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High, or God uh, God Most High or El Elyon, getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David and the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David and also when we open up within our prayer the power of God's eight names, we begin to confess who God is to us in these eight names and what He has done for us. This provides God the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of these names to battle against the enemies of David and as well as our enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. And while we continue to study these names, these eight names, we will together confess them. This literally... uh, 
puts hell into fear when we all together proclaim who God is to us in Jesus Christ. So let us together proclaim them, who God is to us in Jesus Christ in these eight names. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord bless us and let him make us immovable. May he clothe us into the confessions that we just stated as a church, confessed as a church in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already uh, studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God these are strength, rock, fortress, deliverer and living rock <clears throat> and stop to study our unsearchable inheritance in Jesus Christ contained in the name of God living shield <clears throat> considering that the given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identifies the covenant that is made between God and man because the number eight is a symbolic number of the covenant it was in the eighth day that the male child was circumcised and a name was given to him getting to know the eight names of God which identify God's covenant with us is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtue of a king, priest, and prophet who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. Not over the body of a husband or a wife or children or one another, but our own personal bodies. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him in any way. If there's no calling, then there's no worship in spirit and in truth. When I'm saying calling, this is the calling for us all. The name of God's shield, presented in Scripture as a living shield, is heightened in Scripture for warriors in prayer as their military weaponry. The purpose of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle for the interests of the will of God. And God's will is good for us. God's interests are good for us. Therefore, the name of God in the virtue of a living shield consists in standing between us and our enemies, and in this way take upon himself the hits of the adversity of our fate that has been passed down to us by the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers, and to give God the legitimate basis to stand at our right side as well as between us and our enemies, so that in the one and other situation he can take the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself, we need to collaborate with God with the, with the virtue of his name, shield. There's always God's role and our role. If a person will not fulfill his role, then God will not have the ability or basis to fulfill his role to protect this person. 
I'll bring forth this place of scripture, Exodus 14, 19, 20, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19, 20. And so here we can see the example of how God is our shield. He can protect us from uh, the enemy who wants to kill us. Sometimes we don't even know that God is standing there because we're paying more attention to what we're feeling, uh, the screams that are happening there and the... uh, the horses uh, uh, and their chariots and we're afraid we we hear how death is approaching but if we knew that God is standing between us and that death you would stop paying attention to the things they're feeling and hearing and seeing with your eyes but you would look at what is invisible in the invisible world and what God has, God has put upon our account in Jesus Christ and we have put into our heart In the given circumstances, when the Egypt of our soul tries to return us or take us back to slavery, our new person collaborating with the name of God's shield will hear the noise of the pursuing enemy who is targeting him, the one from which he was initially delivered, and it happens that this fatal hit or blow that is directed against our liberty from sin falls upon Christ in this moment who will be taken from the earth and will be nailed to the cross. As it is written, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Psalm 69, 8, 9. Therefore, the quality and lexicon in identifying the name of God's shield as with the previous names of God Most High is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. So to be our living shield so that he can take upon himself the hits of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers, is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, protect and block us from the deception of the evil one, protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue, protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness, protect and block us from the curse of poverty, protect and block us from the curse of untimely or early death, protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Looking at this list, which contains such intervention from all nature of existing enemy, the Holy Spirit in the given prayer psalm of David, in the purpose of the name of God's shield, has hidden or concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom every person collaborating their faith with the faith of God, with the living shield of God is called to not only be protected from their enemies, but also to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase the profit, not just to be again protected, but also to, God doesn't doesn't just have one uh, tool that will serve as uh, a a protect as a protection or safety it will also be used as a form of attack or a tool for attack and so you use it to protect yourself and also to attack the enemy 
when they would approach you, the enemy approaches you, you uh, the shields were created in a way they protect you and uh, they were also used to, as a tool or a weapon uh, uh, that can attack. You sometimes see these uh, shields uh, that uh, the, some of the police officers use today when when they're rioters and others uh, they try to they pre- uh, protect uh, uh, federal buildings and other things and so you'll see I'm just showing an example and they have these large shields that they can also push with but also protect themselves with and so to it, it you use it to attack wise so that you could take. Uh, control of the territory that belongs to you but is currently in the hands of the enemy considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man it is vitally important for us to determine the role of God and the role of man in each aspect of our essence and for this purpose as with the previous names of God which are called to be the lot of our salvation it is necessary for us to touch to study for classical questions, we have been studying them, that will help us learn the essence of our inheritance contained in the name of God living shield so that He can provide, we can provide God with a legitimate foundation to use it in battle for the adoption of our bodies. First, according to scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God and the purpose of His glorious name shield? Second, what purpose being in the role of our protector did God allocate for Himself and what role has He placed upon us? What conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with the proper foundation to allow us to enter the unsearchable inheritance of His name in the virtue of a living shield of our faith? And by what science can we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith faith with the faith of God in the virtue of His name shield? Considering this, we need to not forget that all of the acts of God relating to His protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, which contains the protection of God, where we see the role of God and role of man clearly identified and outlined. Not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions, which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith, we will not have any opportunities to turn our silver so that we can profit the virtue of the guarantee of salvation that we have, so that we can obtain our salvation as something that is our own in the fruit of our spirit. And this means that without a strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word spoken by the person who possesses the authority of a father from God and his helpers that are in, are in the same spirit with him, we will not have any opportunities to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have turned to profit or that we have invested. For all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All of the promises of God can be received by being instructed in faith by the people that God has put, his messengers, it can't be that we accept uh, what they say, but not their authority over ourselves. People ca- uh, capture the things I say, but they don't acknowledge uh, uh, my authority that, that that God has given so that he, I can reveal these things. You have to acknowledge the person and the things that he's saying. If you don't acknowledge, acknowledge uh, the authority of the person, then the word that you hear will not have any effect on you. People sit at their computers so that they can uh, find some kind of ideas for their uh, uh, various denominations. They set up computers to find ideas uh, of what they should preach about. And so then they find sermons, mine and others, and then uh, present them as their own revelations. But there will be a great uh, 
vengeance for this these, because these are thieves. These are thieves that acknowledge specific principles that God reveals to his delegated ones, but they don't acknowledge the delegated one himself, the messenger. If studying our inherited lot in the virtue of the name of God's shield, we will be studying its power as something separate from the confession of the faith of God that is concealed within our heart, then we will not end up with the protection of God, but instead with our own personal doom. Because God and all of His powerful and unchanging names can be the lot of our inheritance exclusively in the situation when this lot becomes the component of the confession of the faith of God that is concealed within our good heart. We stop to study the first question. What identifications and qualities do the scriptures give the name of God contained in the virtue of His name, Living Shield? Six of the components in identifying the power of the name of God, Living Shield, have already been subjects of our study, and in short, we will remind us of of them, and we will then continue to study the next. First, God demonstrating the virtue of His name, Living Shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is a shield only to Abraham and his descendants. If we are the descendants of Abraham, then God is a shield for us because of Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Genesis 15.1 The scriptures say we are we are those who believe we are the children of Abraham whether it doesn't uh, de- this doesn't depend on uh, genealogy this uh, or uh, biology but rather uh, in the faith second God demonstrating the virtue of his name living shield taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy is a shield in the blood of the covenant for those who applied the blood of the lamb Pesach on the lintel and doorposts of their of themselves or their essence. The blood of the covenant serves as a living shield. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Exodus twelve thirteen. In the original There's no word, uh, I will pass over you. It it was more like, I will hop over you, or I'll jump over. He won't just bypass it. uh, He's just going straight. He's not going to walk around anywhere. He is going to keep, he's going to go straight, and uh, he will jump over those. Pesach is to jump over, to hop over, jump over, And so, when, of course, <clears throat> this was translated, uh, it, may, it may have been that they thought it didn't sound as uh, as maybe sensible in a way, and so maybe they re- reworded it in, in Russian, both English. Uh, but when it's talking about hopping over, jumping over, it's really the, what it said in the original Hebrew. Third, God demonstrating the virtue of his name, living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy is presented in the truth of the Word of God, concealed within three functions of our essence, in our good heart, in our renewed mind, and in our gentle or meek tongue, that confesses the faith of God that is concealed within our heart. Psalm 91.4 His truth shall be your shield and buckler. 
It is a shield and buckler, the truth, when it is concealed in our heart, when it is within our renewed mind, and when we confess it with our mouth. That is when it becomes a shield and buckler, the truth. Fourth, God demonstrating the virtue of his name, living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is seen as an active protector of our sovereign boundaries, his own sovereign boundaries and the sovereign boundaries of our neighbor. And so the sovereign boundaries are God's shield. Our sovereignty is a shield of God. It is given to us as God's shield. You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, the sovereign rights of your neighbor, which the men <coughs> of old have said in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Deuteronomy 19.14. We are studying these uh, boundaries as a shield. Don't ever let anyone uh or allow anyone to command you something, direct something. They can ask you uh, or recommend, but they can't command you to do anything. Only if you voluntarily give away your sovereignty, then they can command you to do things. When we give up our sovereignty uh, for the sake of God's interest, in that case, yes, He can command then us to do things. And so if you again voluntarily give up your sovereignty, then someone is able to command. But never give it to a wife or a husband or parents or children or uh, the leadership that's in the world. If the leadership of the world uh, will be implementing laws and write laws and they are resisting scripture, we will not be obedient to them. We will say we are sovereign, and according to Scripture, we are not required to listen to your laws. We're not required to respect uh, transgenders and gays and lesbians. We are not required to respect their respect that. When the nature of man is being perverted, and this is elevated to some sort of status, we're not supposed. To, we're not required to acknowledge this as something right. Uh, yeah, they, there could be then a hate and persecution may rise, but we will see then who's going to be uh, paying the price for that. They, I don't have time right now to tell you how many times I, uh, I uh, resisted <clears throat> things like this, and they're the ones who ended up being in a very bad situation because of all of this. Fifth, God demonstrating the virtue of his name, Living Shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, re reveals himself in favor, but only to a righteous person, as a response to the favor man shows God, where a man defends or protects the interests of the will of God. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Psalm 5.12, God's favor is our shield. And so here it talks about him as surrounding, that means it's as a crown on our head. And so a renewed mind is a shield of God for us. When our mind is renewed by the spirit of our mind, now this is God's shield. It is renewed and this mind no longer allows any kind of foreign evil thought to enter there. 
because all of the thoughts and words go into our essence through our mind. And if our mind is renewed and suddenly an evil thought comes in, a sinful uh, or from the old man from inside, we easily identify it and we say, God lives before whom I stand. This is not my own. The devil is used to giving uh, you thoughts from your own name as if it's from you and we think it's from ourselves. No, if you're not in agreement with this information and you're afraid of that, it is not you. You don't need to be afraid. As soon as it uh, rises up within you, you immediately say, "Lord, the Lord lives before whom I stand. Uh, be away from me. Often these th- thoughts come when we... Uh, are walking around on the roof of our home instead of being in the battlefield. If we meditate about spiritual things, you can't simultaneously uh, think about two things at once. You meditate about one thing at a time. Another reason thoughts come. If these uh, these thoughts are if they're coming, this also should be a sign or a warning to you that oh, I'm wandering upon the roof instead of battling or being in the battlefield as I should be. And so then, take uh, places of scripture and train your mind, train your mind, uh, memorize places of scripture, and by training uh, your mind, you will learn more and more and more. And the word of God will not only then just be in your vessel, but also will be here in the lamp. Sixth, God demonstrating the virtue of his name living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, demonstrates himself in the all armor of God that is given to us in the form of a living shield of faith that we are instructed to arm ourselves with so that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians 6.16 The fiery darts of the wicked one are deception that will be spoken against you. And this will be, this deception will be presented in the form of truth because the devil will remind you of your sins and while talking about uh, we'll talk about then he he will also talk about your sinful desires one individual called me today from germany and said what do i do i have these sinful desires and i want to confess and i said why don't you want to confess before your pastor and this person says well i've been fighting a long time and i know i can only trust you And I said, I won't take your confessions for something that you haven't done because you took the reproach upon yourself. It's okay that the the flesh wants these things. You have a spirit, and it's not your spirit who wants these things, but your flesh that wants it. And so don't pay attention to that. Count yourself dead to these desires and begin to confess. This won't happen, of course, immediately. You'll need time, but discipline yourself. Oh, I've understood you. And we together talked for for a while, and he didn't need to confess because he tried to confess. He he said, thoughts coming and bad uh, desires uh, come uh, rise up within me. And I said, you don't agree with them, correct? And he says, I don't. it says in scripture you may be angry but do not sin may the sun not set in your in your anger and so when you have anger and if you don't actually express in word then you haven't sinned you are healthy living uh, people and if you're 
uh, boundaries are being violated, you become angry and you say, why are you stepping into my territory? Of course, you don't say that directly. You just need to uh, either be silent or pray for the, uh, words of wisdom how to uh, how to respond so a person does not uh, violate your boundaries or go into your territory. God demonstrating the virtue of his name, living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, consists in the ability to accept the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in your heart, who provides a revelation to the truth that is concealed in our heart. And so our shield will be God's revelations or the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the truth that we have concealed in our heart, although we didn't understand it. We put it upon the golden table and it was food for God. But when the enemy uh, attacked us, God God sees now it's time for this uh, showbread to become our own. And he gives gives me then uh, the Sabbath so I can eat. Uh, In the Sabbath day, the priests had the right to take those breads that they had put up on the table of showbreads and eat them. And Moses said, Lord, thank you for letting me know these things. And so what is, he didn't, he he talked about uh, anything you don't understand, still accept. He didn't say anything you don't understand, don't accept it. And so in, in scripture, there are many laws that... Uh, that in life can't be broken or fulfilled in a way. And they were specifically, those specific ones are examples to something else, but these, the people needed to accept them into their heart even though they knew these things. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts because we have received this truth in our heart, God has desired the truth in our inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. He has desired this truth and has uh, made his wisdom known. Purge me with hyssop. What did this wisdom reveal uh, through this truth? Wisdom, through the preached word, reveals to him that he needs to purge himself cleanse himself and in what way he needs to be cleansed purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities create in me a clean heart if a person doesn't know that his sins can be blotted out and he how they can be blotted out he can't pray like this Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, 6-17 through you see what revelation he received that he by the law needs to die for the law he needs to allow his spirit to be broken so that God can enliven him 
In what way can our new person save our soul? In what way did Samson, uh, well, Samson save Delilah? He needed to take this Delilah and die with her. And when he dies with her, with these five uh, rulers and with Delilah, he will receive his soul, his body and his emotions, he will reobtain them, but in a new form. He said, may my soul die with the Philistines. If you remember, Samson said this, but then he rose. God lifts up the broken spirit. And so he says directly, he, is, he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. How do you purge with hyssop? To purge with hyssop is God's role and God, and the role of man. God says the word, speaks the word, through his preached word, through his apostles, his prophets. This is sprinkling. When I hear this word, I receive it into my heart and I say, Lord, maybe according to your word, now I am sprinkling. It's not enough that you hear the word and just accept it. You need to confess that word. Confession is sprinkling. When you confess the faith of, of God that's in our heart, then we sprinkle ourselves and we purge ourselves with his. That's what, how that happens, how sprinkling can cleanse us. When we proclaim the not existent as existent, although you have sinned, you rise and you say, Lord, I hate this sin, I, I despise it, I, I deny it, I, I repent, and I take your ju- and I receive just your justification. You accept it and you overcome the sin in this way. According to the given place of Scripture, God as our living shield, taking the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself, identifies himself in the truth that is concealed within our heart and in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, opening up the meaning of this truth. And the essence of the meaning of the truth that is concealed in the righteousness of our heart is focused on the salvation of our soul and our body, where we see the role of God and the role of man presented. And if the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ would not be concealed within our heart, God would not have any grounds upon which he can demonstrate himself inside of our heart, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, who reveals the essence of our calling to achieve this required both this require, to achieve this requires both the role of God and the role of man. First, the role of God consists in God revealing to our heart the status of our spirit, our soul, and our body, while having the old man within our body, who is a programmable system for the program of governing sin. Second, the role of God is that He reveals to us the power of legitimate prayer in collaboration with the power of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, our role consists in us utilizing the power of the words of legitimate prayer in collaboration with the power of the Holy Spirit for the salvation of our soul and our body. The phrase consisting in intercession of legitimate prayer, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow, indicates our mouth that is presented in the form of hyssop with which the priests sprinkled the altar when they were making a covenant with God as well as during the cleansing of the altar with purifying waters. 
The next phrase, consisting in intercession of legitimate prayer, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice, indicates our ability to hear the promise about the erection of the stronghold of incorruption in our body. The next phrase, consisting in the intercession of legitimate prayer, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, indicates the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body. God says that I live in heaven and this is to enliven the broken heart. The next phrase, consisting in the intercession of legitimate prayer, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, indicates the enlivening of our spirit, which is contained in the death of the Lord Jesus in brokenness. And we see this in the Psalm of David, where it says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, which indicates the acknowledgement and confession of the fact that we were conceived in iniquity and in sin our mother bore us. The next phrase consisting in the intercession of legitimate prayer, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit indicates the return of profit of the fullness of salvation, which is received from the guarantee of salvation, which has been invested by us or has been turned so that we can profit. The concluding phrase consisting in the intercession of our legitimate prayer, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not de- delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Indicates testimony that the death of Jesus Christ, in the death of Jesus Christ, we die by the law for the law so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected. Eighth, God demonstrating the virtue of his name living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, makes himself known or reveals himself in the state of our righteous heart. The righteousness of our heart will be a, a shield of God for us. Psalm 7, 8 through 10. The Lord shall judge the Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God tests the hearts of and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. Psalm seven, eight through ten. God's shield is in the righteousness of our heart. It is specifically the righteousness of our heart, which is the protection of God in the form of a living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies who are present within our body, as well as enemies that are present in the body of Christ, representing our churches. We need to immediately note that although we have the state of the righteousness of our heart, we can still fall into sin or can commit sins because of the governing in us sin. We can sin because of this governing sin that's in our body. He lives in our body in the form of the old person with his deeds. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Psalm 66, 18. In the heart there's no lawlessness, it is righteous, but he committed a sin. You know how David had sinned, sinned, but his heart remained righteous because this came from outside. It didn't come from his heart. And he said, if I would have regarded iniquity in my heart, if my heart would not have been righteous, is what he's saying, the Lord would not have heard me. When we have a righteous heart before God, 
we will fall and we'll fall a lot and, and sin a lot because we need to save our soul and it will be fighting with us as Jacob battled with Esau he will be afraid of him his soul therefore in another place of scripture identifying a person that has a righteous heart yet one that sins because of governing sin which lives within his body in the form of the old man who is a programmable system of the fallen cherubim the scriptures say for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again but the wicked shall fall by calamity proverbs 24 16 think this uh, about this place of scripture well the righteous falls seven times and rises again the righteousness of heart remains. He falls, but he is righteous. Seven is a symbol of fullness or wholeness until he's grown into full measure of growth in Christ. And so that in the righteousness of our heart, God can reveal himself in the form of our living shield who takes upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies. It is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What qualities did the scripture give a heart that is righteous before God? Or what meaning does scripture provide a heart that is righteous before God? What purpose is the righteousness of our heart before God called to fulfill in the form of our living shield? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can obtain righteousness of heart, able to take the hits which are directed at us by our enemies? And by what signs do we examine ourselves, that we have within ourselves a heart that is righteous before God, taking the fatal hits that are directed at us by our enemies? <clears throat> Answering the first question, what qualities do the scriptures give a heart that is righteous before God, or what meaning does scripture provide a heart that is righteous before God, so that the righteousness of our heart could take upon itself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, I will remind us of some already familiar to us identifications which belong to the characteristics of a righteous heart of a man, which has become so because of the grown by us fruit of righteousness from the seed of justification which was received into the good soil of our heart. A righteous heart is an upright heart before God. You can feel all kinds of lusts and ambitions and other things inside and you'll fall and rise, but still can, you will maintain that uprightness of heart. This is a heart that is good, that is cleansed from dead works. We know that our calling is not evangelism or practicing of spiritual gifts. It's not that you materialistically be prosperous, but to break the head of the serpent, to cast off of yourself uh, the old man with his deeds. That's the calling. This will allow you and me to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind so we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into our new person. This is a heart that is intelligent or reasonable. This is a heart that is peaceful and faithful to God. This is a heart that abides within the truth and the truth abides within the heart. This is a heart that abides in a covenant of peace with God and the covenant of peace with God abides within this heart. This is a heart that abides in upright joy and upright joy abides within this heart. This is a heart that abides in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit abides within this heart, and this is not all. A righteous heart is a heart that is a thankful and courageous heart. We're not talking about the character of a person, 
because of his soul, but we're talking about a heart and the new person. A heart that is welcoming and generous, a heart that can wait for the promises that God vowed to give us, a heart that can keep itself from idols, a heart that can be compassionate and empathize with their neighbor, a heart that is capable of not taking revenge but instead give all judgment to God, a heart that can overcome everything that God overcomes, a heart that can love God and his neighbor. A heart that pays attention to and inclines to the words of his father. This is a heart that can love his enemies in the form of the people of his house, people of the flesh, and in the form of the world. A heart that can hate the enemies of the Lord. These enemies are carriers of unrighteousness and lawlessness amongst our churches in the form in in Greek in the Greek language the word right when it refers to the heart means proselyte or Gentile who has converted to Judaism who has been circumcised and has vowed to follow the law of Moses first component in identifying a righteous heart providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for man taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself is a heart that is good that has obtained the grace of God or a heart where the grace of God governs through the fruit of his righteousness but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord this is the genealogy of Noah Noah was a just man perfect in his generation Noah walked with God and Noah begot three sons Shem Ham and Japheth Genesis 6 8 through 10 in what way did he obtain grace he walked before God and he bore three sons he obtained righteousness because Shem, Ham, and Japheth's spirit, soul, and body, he saved. He received the promise for his spirit, for his soul, and for his body in these three names. Romans 5.21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Second component in identifying a righteous heart, providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for man taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself is a heart where righteousness and justice have become the foundation of God's throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Psalm 89.14 We more than once have said that when it's talking about God's throne, this is a throne that is in heaven, it's in the temple, in the church that has the status of the good wife and a heart that is humble and contrite. We're talking about a throne in the heart of a person, in the spirit of a person, and the foundation of this throne is righteousness and justice. That's why the heart of a person is righteous, and such a heart is a living shield, because you can uh, strike the body, strike the soul, but if you don't strike the spirit, then you have not won the war. And so if your heart will be righteous and justice will be there, the conscience will clearly understand. The justice of God is based upon the word of what's good and evil, and we know in our heart what good and evil is. Third component in identifying a righteous heart, providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for a man taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself, is a heart that is filled with wisdom consisting of the elementary teaching of Christ. 
My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice indeed. I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Proverbs 23, 15, 16. When you will confess what is in your heart is what it's me what it means here. God's faith in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, it is our shield, our living shield. And he says, my son, if your heart is wise, this means that not all sons have a wise heart. Many sons have foolish hearts because they speak about the teaching, but they don't understand what the teaching is. I listened to these so-called more modern uh, type of servants of God they call modern but they have no idea what the cross of Christ is and what our cross is what our faith is and what God's faith is they don't have an understanding about the great uh, war going on inside of a person amongst three kings but they call it the teaching about the cross and they teach but they can't understand and know why because they have rejected the teaching teacher of their youth they did not want to be students they've made themselves teachers they saw success in that and began thinking that this success allows them to or gives them that right to teach and so a wise heart is a heart that has a father my son if your heart is wise my heart will rejoice if we have a father that means we need to incline our ears so that we can listen to the words of the father the person who has uh, the authority of a father of God because he'll give us the word that will be a seat another person will come will, will say the same words but it will not be a seed in his mouth why because he does not possess the authority of a father he doesn't have the Holy Spirit upon him to be able to plant the word yes people will come to Christ that's what they'll think people will repent but where will this person lead them they presented them a very different Christ he has placed himself and presents Christ but Christ didn't place himself he says about himself that the Lord has placed him, that he is a priest by the order of Melchizedek, that he didn't place himself. God placed him. Apostles didn't place themselves. God placed them. Christ placed them. And those who followed, they weren't placed by themselves, but they were placed by other apostles. Fourth, component in identifying a righteous heart, providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for man, taking a fatal, f- taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself, is a heart which is justified by the grace of God, which has become our hope and has made us heirs of eternal life. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of of the Holy Spirit. Grace is not something just uh, delicate. This is uh, the law. Grace is a garment that is uh, dangerous. This is a two-edged sword. It is stricter than the law of Moses, the law of grace. 
And so don't uh, simplify that in some way and say that it's not so serious. It, it is God's law. Grace is God's law. But it is called to deliver us from sin. The law is called to save us and protect us. The law of Moses was not called to save or protect us. For the law of grace, yes. The, the law of Moses was for the service of, of condemnation. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior that having been justified and so regeneration, renewal can happen when I obey my faith and I have submerged myself into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to be uh, resurrected and so renewal is resurrection God doesn't uh, renew us by the death of the Lord Jesus but by his resurrection he justifies us by the resurrection not by the, the death he died for our sins but he rose for our justification it can't be that death bears someone death can kill and destroy and it is called to kill and destroy the stronghold of death within our body when it's talking about renewing and regeneration this happens by by the resurrection that we receive and we can receive it after we have been submerged into the death we die by the law for the law so we can rise in new tablets of the covenant and live already for God whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life for no one will be justified by, by the law but justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life Titus 3, 4 through 7 and so our hope and so our trust is something we build upon hope and so if we don't have hope within our heart but hope is the teaching of Jesus Christ and trust is when the Holy Spirit reveals the truth in the heart and then we begin to build we can't build from this truth or build ourselves into a spiritual house if we don't understand the meaning of what this truth is. And so this truth, when we receive it in hope, we don't know how it is, only the Holy Spirit can reveal that, and when He reveals it, then we can uh, trust in what we are, uh, what we're learning. And so our trust that makes us heirs of eternal life is a living shield. Fifth component in identifying a righteous heart, providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for man, taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself, is a heart that is understanding where wisdom from above rests. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the house in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Proverbs 14, 32, 33. 
And so wisdom is, not, is contrary to earthly or carnal or demonic wisdom. And so there's wisdom that comes from above. And this is a wisdom that is in the wise heart. And a wise, a, a wise heart of a person, this is a person that acknowledges the authority of his father and inclines his ear to listen to the words. Sixth component in identifying a righteous heart, providing God with legitimate grounds to be a living shield for man, taking the fatal hits that are oriented at us by our enemies upon himself, is a heart that possesses the ability to establish his way. A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. Proverbs 21:29. And so, a wicked person has a hardened face. He he doesn't check his path or that it is straight. He has his own way of righteousness, and he has his own understanding of God. He has his own head, and he doesn't acknowledge over himself anyone but himself and his own opinions you've probably met such wicked people that don't acknowledge anyone I was afraid when I would meet with them they used to be people that were close to me and I told them do you understand that you have no you don't have any authority you don't acknowledge anyone in church any church you don't acknowledge anyone except yourself you place yourself above everybody else you go to one church, second church, third church, but you don't acknowledge the status of this church or the person that's there. That is what the problem is. And look at those wicked people. They are then uh, given some kind of a position in the church and then he's removed and, and another one so that they place another and this person makes an, a huge deal that he's being removed, calls the police and this is the kind of stuff that happens. Why do you first uh, volunteer to do things uh, and you don't obey and they want to remove you? If you're volunteering, then you need to obey. But because you don't obey, you have uh, this person has his own uh, righteousness. The symbol of an established way in the heart of a man is the undamaged truth in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ, which identifies the straight path to the goal in the heart of man of the upper call in Christ Jesus and election that consists in the perfect will of God. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 10, 11. The ability to establish your way, keep it straight, is to make your election sure. Call and election sure. This is to accept the truth. And that's 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. And so you then accept the wholesome truth, not a truth that is damaged. If a person preaches the truth, but he himself is uh, not in the right way, the truth that he will preach will be damaged. It's a damaging truth. As our time is up, we will bend our knees, and we will pray, and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you upon this 
blessed place that you have given to us the greatness of your living shield in these surprising components that are your truth in our heart these are the righteousness of our heart that are demonstrated in many components when we begin to understand this then no evil thought will be able to enter our heart and we will be able to have this battle with with our old person for our soul and our body so we can save our soul and to make it great through the death of the Lord Jesus to make it good and we can then receive it in a new form when it will ha- we will have a renewed mind and when our soul will become dependent of our spirit may your mercy be blessed for your nation now and forever may the works of devil be destroyed in the lives of your people may accusations and all kinds of other things that come from the old man be cursed and that people not the people your people not accept these things as truth and that they understand that these are deceptions the devil always speaks his own and he speaks deception people need to know that they're justified in their spirit and if they're not agreeing with thoughts or feelings that are in them that means that they don't these don't belong to them and that they can uh battle with them and not accept them and, and be free of them. May your wisdom be upon the, in the hearts of your people. We worship before you. We thank you for this word that is our living shield, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.